you are welcome here. And I'm here to remind you that such is the nature of life that all it asks and all it wants is the opportunity to appear. You're that opportunity. So am I, and so it is. So welcome. Welcome to this place. Welcome to this time. We are broadcasting today on Facebook, and you will see it later on YouTube and other places throughout the universe. Who knows where we're going to show up today? But right now, right here, we are the Center for Spiritual Living in Midtown Atlanta. So wherever you're watching from, consider yourself part of us and welcome to be with us. We honor you, whoever you are, however you describe yourself, however you know yourself. We're just so grateful that you're participating and, and joining us because you bring your attention, which means you bring your consciousness to bear on this event, which adds to its power, its value, and its goodness in bringing it to the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, know now with me some things that we want to share, which is a little about who we are. One of the best ways to know who we are is to know what we teach and what we believe. And that we gather from knowing the Declaration of Principle, which is something that we read and share. This is a portion of it. And I will read it as you read the with me, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I believe in one God one absolute power and first cause to all things. I believe that this power is perfect love and it creates out of a desire to express love. I believe all thought is creative and how I choose to think creates my personal experience. I believe in the unity of all life and the immortality of the individual soul forever unfolding. I believe in the eternal goodness the eternal loving kindness and the givingness of God to all. And so it is. So out of that belief comes a real deep sense that all is well, that all is connected, that all is God. Now we have in our organization some folks who we call licensed practitioners. And licensed practitioners are folks who are um, who have, are esteemed in these ideas and this teaching and this, this perpetual truth that keeps coming forward. They are folks who, um, who not only have changed their lives as a result of it, but they know how to use these principles to help you change yours. So they are licensed to not only work with themselves, but also with one another, which is why we do the licensing so that we give them that support, not only from our center, but from the entire universal organization to which we belong. So today we're going to hear from one of our practitioners, our wonderful and beloved Barbara Guillory. Thank you, Barbara. Yes, thank you, Dr. Bob. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. This is a great morning. Today we are talking about joy. So my question to each of you is, what is your source of joy? Normally, during the holidays, we surround our families, surround our friends in hopes of experiencing joy. As children, during this time of the year, we would always look to the gifts, look to the toys, look to the clothes, because it was truly a source of joy for us. And of course, as we continue to get older, we're now conditioned to look for that joy 
outside of ourselves. So in, in our growth, as we grow up, then there's the relationship that becomes that source of joy for us. Then there's the car, the house. There are a number of material things, the careers, the job. These become an external source of joy for us. So it becomes secondary without us even realizing it. But I'm convinced, guys, that the holidays are a tool meant for us to believe in the unseen. We have taken the tool and conditioned people to believe in an external sources versus an internal source. So that's my belief about the holidays, why we have the holidays. And it's across all religions. There is this unseen entity that everyone wants people to believe in, but we have conditioned the people to believe in the material mm -hmm. aspect as that source of joy for us. Um, my niece used to come and visit me during the summer uh, with a summer mom. Absolutely loved it. Yes, it was a joy. So it's just the way life is. But one of the things we would um, just play on is the word joy, uh, just one you. So joy, I would always say, oh, you are such a joy. And of course, the response was just one you. So that's the J in joy, the O in one, and the Y in you. So just one you. So I would always let her know how unique she was, you know. And again, it was to bring focus to the inside, the internal versus the external. So until we can realize our source of joy, we will continue to seek joy outside of ourselves. And in finding that source of joy, all we would need to do is just simply connect to the source, connect to the spirit, connect to the universe, connect to the God, whatever it is that you would want to call it, simply by connecting. This is what gives us access to an infinite source of joy. So we, we often will connect with our physical environment you know, those things that we can touch, those things that we can see, those things that we can feel. It is pretty much the same way in our spiritual environment, but it's a sense. We don't necessarily reach out and touch it, but it's that sense of who we are to know and understand from within who we are. So my question, that I leave you with is your source of joy, the memories of the past or the moments of the present. So I want to go into um, treatment now. And as we do, I want you to have the great experience of joy in this very moment. 
I am going to speak in the first person simply because as a practitioner, that is our training. Why? Because we are all one. So whatever happens to one happens to all. But again, we're all at different levels. We're all at different developments. We all have different experience. So I encourage you to find what it is that works for you along the way as I share my journey with you. So as we come together, we can know and understand there is but the one source. There is but the oneness in and of itself. There is but the one magnificent that is but the one spirit. That is but the one law. There is but the one oneness in and of itself. And it is out of this oneness that all things are made. It is from this source of magnificent all things are manifest. It is from this one source in and of itself. It expresses itself as it truly is. I am that expression expressed from the spirit in and of itself. And in this knowing that I am one with the oneness, I am one with the spirit, I am one with the magnificent, I can declare that joy is my experience here in this very moment right now. It is this wonderful experience of joy that I do experience simply because as a co-creator with spirit, I create in this very moment the experience of joy in my life. It is this joy that I come to know. It is this joy that I come to rely on. It is this joy that is the real joy in my life and in its existence. It is this very joy that I offer up to the world. I am a conduit for this wonderful, beautiful experience of joy. As a co-creator, I experience this joy simply by creating the experience of joy for myself and for the world and for this knowing I am grateful. And so it is. Joy in my soul, from my head to my toes. That's a wonderful idea. So I want to invite you to come with me today on a, a little imaginary, uh, well, actually just to engage your imagination with me for a few minutes, maybe a story, maybe, maybe more. Um, imagine yourself. Highly successful, sought after by kings and leaders the worldwide, at least the known world. Sought after as a musician, as a composer, as a, as a performer, as someone who people want to have in their company, have in their presence, so that you travel from different places to different places. In a time when travel was difficult, and in a time when it wasn't a quick hop on a jet. And as you do that, and as you're doing so, and you're compo composing music and creating amazing musical experiences for people, kind of blowing the world away with your new, new approach and your new message in music. In the midst of all of that, at the very peak of your fame, you start to lose your hearing. And little by little, you can hear less and less of what you're 
performing, of what you're producing, of what you're writing, until it reaches a point where it's all gone from your ears. The best you can do is to put your hand on a piano or on a floorboard and feel the vibration and rhythm of music, but you can no longer hear it. What would you do? What would you do if the very things that bring you the greatest joy and the greatest creativity and expression and prosperity and all of that wrapped up into one, the, the one thing to which you've given your life, you suddenly can't hear anymore or you can't participate in by seeing it, experiencing it, like a painter who, who's gone blind and can't see the beauties that she's creating and putting on the canvas. Hmm. What would you do? Well, if you were Beethoven, you would become depressed. You would become very frustrated. You would become disheartened. You would turn to your friends for support and help. And in the midst of all of that, you would be contemplating seriously taking your own life. For what is the purpose of life without music? How after composing eight, seven or eight symphonies, suddenly you can't hear them. And he went into a pretty deep depression and he went into a period of time of chaos and frustration and unhappiness where the only thing he could do was feel the vibrations of his, of his music or anyone's music through the floors or through a piano or through, through feeling the touch of an instrument. Like many of us would do, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling really down and when I'm feeling like I need a boost, I don't, I don't often get to the point of thinking of taking my own life, but sometimes I do have moments of drama where I think, oh, life is not worth it. And then I wake up and go, wait a minute, it is. But I turn to my friends and reach out for help and for support. And so would so did Beethoven. Beethoven was living, was born in the 1770s, lived until 1827. They didn't have hearing aids yet. The best they had were these big circular horns that you could put in your ear that would capture as much sound as possible. But that was about it. So he did reach out to his friends and he had friends in among very, very highly educated, highly progressive thinkers at the time. These were not folks who went back to the, who looked at the negativity of life and looked at the horrors of life, but, and said, oh dear, why bother? These were folks who, who had thought a lot about life and how it works. And they, and they were creating philosophies. So his friends were philosophers and poets and other musicians and people who, who were in that creative expression of life and in the forward thinking of the times. Europe had just begun to settle down from a whole lot of warring and fighting and, and, and city-states were starting to form into countries and, and not everything was under the, the realm of the Holy Roman Church at the time. So his, so his friends were folks like Schiller, Frederick Schiller, who was a poet. He was, and he was a poet who, who wrote, uh, actually wrote the poem that Ode to Joy was based on. And he said things like this. <laughs> I like it. So when you're not happy when your life, with your life, if you're really down in the dumps and you're not happy with your life, always 
remember that someone is happy simply because you exist. I know many folks who've struggled with with uh, depression, extreme depressions, and sometime knowing that one other person cares and that they matter to them is enough to help them get through to the other side of that. Schiller also said, dare to be wrong and dream. Yeah, do both. He also said, friends, show me what I can do. And those who, who, who supported and loved Beethoven did just that. They showed him what he could do and how he could still do things and do and have a life and be creative. But foes, those who wished for him to step aside completely from anything to do with the musical world, foes teach me what I should do. And instead of stepping aside, Beethoven chose to step up. His other friend, Goethe, well-known philosopher, poet, and, and thinker of the day, one whose work is often quoted and undergirds the work of our modern New Thought movement, because he, had, he, was, a, he was a oneness thinker. He was someone who brought forth these ideas so beautifully. He says, the moment one definitely commits oneself to whatever, providence moves to. Whenever you, when, whatever you think you can do or believe you can do, begin it. Action is magic, power and grace. In other words, take that first step and watch when the universe comes in to, to support you and move through you while you make the shifts and changes and move forward. Hmm. He also said this, which is interesting statement for our times. Humans fear reason, but they ought to fear ignorance. For reason can be hard, but ignorance can be fatal. And right out of the science of mind, he says, even though it wasn't yet written, a man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. We all know that. You know it from your own experience. If you're seeing the world as a bright and shining, wonderful place that is, is, is loving and responsive to you and kind, then that's the people you will run into in a day. You will find those folks. Your drivers will let you go ahead of them in traffic. Things will open up in a whole different way. But man, if you start your day feeling down in the dumps and like the world is against you and things aren't going to work, sure enough, they don't. And even if they could have, you don't see that. The only thing you see are those things that match what you're already thinking. Immanuel Kant was another of his, his, his acquaintances. So in that world of this, this whole movement um, known as the Weimar Classics, this thinking, this thought had fed so much into his soul that he decided, made the choice to look within himself, him being Beethoven, and, and pull from within him that which was there in his soul, in his heart, in his feelings. 
And he, out of that deafness, created probably the best known symphony the world has ever known. Certainly that I have ever known and certainly one that I, I always turn to this time of year to listen to at least once because it is such a powerful, beautiful, magnificent piece. It was the first symphony ever to include voices as part of the instrumentation of the symphony. And if you know this symphony, you know that at the end of it, he, he brings out and brings forward the, the voices to sing the words, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, and on it goes. At least that's the English translation. The interesting thing about this symphony that is different from all of Beethoven's other work is that he composed it strictly from hearing the sounds within himself. He could not hear it outside. He could not hear it through his ears from other people or from the world reflecting back to him. He could only hear it from within his own soul, his own heart, his own being. And one of the things that makes this symphony unique, in addition to the addition of voices, is that in all of his other symphonies, he, he operated on a, a theme basis where each symphony had usually two themes, two musical themes or musical melodies that would be introduced early in the symphony, each in its complete and wholeness, and each in competition with and opposition to the other. So it was a symphony of dualism. And the symphonies are wonderful, and, and we all love certain ones. You know, the bum, 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 who will ever forget that from the Fifth Symphony? We have that in our, in our psyche, in our being. But in that symphony, the bum, 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 which was the first theme, won at the end with it becoming the dominant theme. And throughout the symphonies, there was always one which, which one theme which won out over the other. Sometimes they would merge into two, but into to something new, but usually it would end up with one or the other winning and becoming the triumphant theme of the closing part of the symphony. When he was listening inside, however, he stopped hearing one against the other. He stopped hearing sounds that matched what was happening in the world, which was very much about war and strife and us against them and which party is the best and all of those things that go on in our lives. Instead, he listened deep inside and instead of hearing two warring parts, what he heard were multiple themes, multiple parts. And he created themes for each of those as they showed up in his symphony and as, as, and he created them in those sounds and made music to match it. So, so the ninth symphony is a, is a beautiful blending of different themes that weave in and out and weave in and out. He starts with the final one, but, and then comes back to it at the end. But it all weaves and weaves and moves in and out and builds in anticipation. There's a central part of it where it's very much quieter and much more introspective. But by the end, you just feel that last movement coming to that climax when the chorus burst into the symphony with the songs and the words, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And that that blending of the one in, of, of parts into the one that is the one 
is what made that symphony so unique. And I believe one of the reasons it's well remembered and played and known to so many people today in the Western world, at least, and in probably most of the world. If you've ever had the joy, if you're a singer and you've ever sung in that, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. You just about can't stay in your body while you're doing it because it's so, so joyful. Yeah. So enough about Beethoven. As you can see, I love this stuff. I love this man and what he taught and what he did and his music. He, uh, but let's talk a minute about joy and let's talk a minute about what that that original poem that he was using was really all about. The words in the English translation are joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And it's built on a poem by Schiller, Schiller, Schiller sorry. And it says, it goes on to say that, uh, however, joy is what the poem is about, but it doesn't describe it much. It doesn't use the language of joy as much as it points to the language of freedom. It could just as easily have been titled Ode to Freedom. And it might have been in the original notes, in his, in his notes on the original manuscripts, that was one of his thoughts was to call it Ode to Freedom. It was, it was thought that joy and freedom were really one, one within the other, all mixed together in a beautiful sort of way. So I want to point to the idea. This was the back, this is done like turn of the century into the 1800s, more than 200 years ago. Well, about 200 years ago, 300 years ago now. I forget which century I live in sometimes. This philosophy that of human, um, human spirit, human life, human power, human beingness, and the movement from the within to the without, that life does not come to us from out there to within, but it comes from within us out into the world, out into life. The idea that, that there is something, there is a oneness, there's one power, one truth, one goodness, one love, one expression of all of these qualities of life that we know and experience so well, and that one Expression and power comes from within to the to the without. That's called perpetual philosophy. The fact that this idea bubbles up and comes forward again and again throughout the history of humanity, as long as we have been people, as long as there have been people that we that have any kind of recorded history, we see where this comes up again and again. And sometimes that oneness teaching becomes becomes institutionalized by a particular group and they claim it and name it as themselves and use it as power to control what other people think and do. And it distorts it and it solidifies it and it turns it from spiritual living flowing goodness into hard crystallized form and dogma and shape. And this has happened again and again down through history. And it turns it into a dualistic us versus them, right versus wrong. My God is better than your God. All of that has gone on and on. And yet every time that happens, something comes up within and pushes forward that says that is not what is going to be real and that cannot hold because it is not truth. The truth is this perpetual truth of oneness, of givingness, of goodness, of life within. 
and that comes bubbling up and comes forward through in the time of Beethoven and again, and it, is, it has come forward in our time through science of mind and other teachings like this. And it just continues to show that life can come up in bubbles and what it means. You see, joy, as Barbara said, and, and as others have said, is not a quality that is something you get from out there or from being happy or whatever, but it is a quality of your soul, the quality of your beingness. And we find it not out there, but by going within here and listening. I just stumbled across it in my research this week on this topic, uh, an interesting philosopher, a healer, teacher uh, in Australia. His name is Serge. I'm stumbling on his name a little bit, Ben Hayen, spelled B-E-N-H-A-Y-O-N. I invite you to look him up. He, uh, he says, joy is a quality of the soul. It is magnificent, divine, confirming, and outworldly, otherworldly. Joy lives naturally and eternally within us. It is a given. We all have it. We can't get rid of it. We can shut it down. We can cover it over, but we can't get rid of it. It's kind of like life itself. You can't really stop it. You can just shut it down and hold it back if you try, but ultimately it pushes through because life is life and will be lived. Joy is joy and will be experienced and expressed. Huh. So why on earth, pun intended, he says, why on earth would we reduce and bastardize joy by mixing it up with unsustainable emotions and happiness based on things outside of ourselves? Happiness over getting a new car is truly happiness, but it's not joy. It may be an expression of the joy within you, but it's got to start here and it has to. And of course, it never lasts. That kind of happiness doesn't last when it's built on things outside of ourselves. We have to go within to find that joy and find those expressions that bring it forward, like the holidays. But it isn't the holidays that give us joy. It is we are joyful. Therefore, we bring forward the holidays. Just as, just as Barbara so beautifully said. <sighs> Happiness is not the pure impulse of joy. Energetically, they're very different. Joy is a higher state. That is, it's a higher frequency of vibration than happiness. Joy doesn't require work. It is not something that is worked on or worked at. It is instead naturally sustained and impulsed way of being that stems from the livingness of the inner heart itself. You want to find joy? Go within. Go within. Listen to yourself. The other qualities of the soul he talks about are things like truth, love, stillness, and harmony. And when you practice those, you find joy. You'll find it in the quiet and the stillness and the harmony. You'll find it in truth. As I found this week, as I'm reading these things and looking at, at the emergence of these ideas from all across time, 
I'm going, wow, such joy, such greatness, such good things here. And, and as I read them and saw them and felt the vibrations of, of, of things coming together with the synchronicity between Beethoven and music and harmony of the universe and history and truth and transformation, because that's really what Beethoven went through. He was transformed from seeing life as something out there to experiencing it as completely as something within, because that's where it had to come from for him. And his greatest music came forward once he couldn't hear it anymore. So when you're faced with something in your life that looks like I can't do that anymore, Maybe you can't jump as high as you used to could or run as far as you could or do the things you used to do. Okay. That doesn't mean you're not still capable of all of the goodness in life that is here for you. It just simply has to do with reaching more to the within to find new ways to express your life outwardly. If you think about those things which seem to be stopped, one of the most powerful things I think that, that Serge says in his, in his website and in his, one of his interviews that matches exactly with what we teach and talk about is the idea that we are not individual creators. We are not individual people designed to make things happen for ourselves and therefore for the world. Instead, we are individuated versions of something greater than we are. He calls it we are being conduits of the flow of energy we are the flow of energy of life into the world in all sorts of shapes and sizes and ways and when we realize that when we can rise above the everyday stuff that we're stuck in and see this larger self and this larger truth of who and what we are then life becomes more joyful. It becomes lighter and easier because you're not trying to carry it all on your own steam. You're letting spirit, life, God, whatever words you use for that, move through you easily and freely and simply allowing it to come forth. And how do you know what that is? It's what you most love to do and be and desire to see expressed for yourself and other people. That's the one that expresses most beautifully and most easily. Ah, so like the little bug that landed on a rug and could only see the red he was sitting on and crawled over to the blue and it could only see that, I invite you to rise above your everyday stuckness into a greater way of thinking that raises your consciousness, raises your awareness, and raises your energy to be aware that you are a conduit of the very love of God, the very joy of God, the very livingness of God, if God is your word, or it may just be of life, of energy itself. It doesn't have to reference a divine beingness. Because you know, and I know the truth, that you are wonderful. Absolutely. So am I. So it is. Thank you. Have a marvelous day. Vance, you want to talk to us a little bit about money? I do. I do. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And um, that was a great talk about joy, the conduit. <clears throat> we're, we're conduits of joy. We're conduits of abundance into the world. And we would appreciate your donations this time. Um, it's that end of the year time where 
we're all working on um holiday stuff but also um thinking about financially what we can do to give and if you're so inclined for the end of the year to donate to us we would appreciate it because it takes money to operate this organization and we need that so if you will with me i'm going to put the uh, affirmation for prosperity up on the screen and you can donate at cslmidtown.org click on the donate button and um, or click on the qr code on the screen so if you will with me I live, I live in the universe of abundance. As I freely and joyfully give, I join in the divine flow. And all that I share with life returns to me, multiplied abundantly. And so it is. Back to Dr. Bob for some more announcements about what we get going on the end of the year. Yes, it is the end of the year, and we the next two Sundays are both holidays. So next Sunday on the 25th, we will have a service. You will find it broadcast on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we will not be on Zoom next week, and um, you can. We also will not have next week the or the next two weeks the discussion group at 10 o'clock. But the uh, content, the service itself, the talks, the music will still be happening um on facebook youtube and wherever else it shows up in the world we are uh, grateful to have this freedom to do this kind of thing also starting in january on the 8th of january the second sunday of january we will be back in person we invite you to come and join us in, at the recreation center in garden hills it is a, it is where we were meeting before we took the break in december we will have some coffee and snacks and invite you to come and join us and to sit around a table and have some conversation and listen to a good talk and some music and who knows what else will happen that Sunday. Come on, join us back. Come back and join us and let's see how we can create something better and something more meaningful for each one of us on Sunday mornings. So with that, I will also just quickly say the end of January, I'm starting a class on prosperity called Prosperity Plus Two. And uh, Mary Mann and Morsi will be doing that along with me, and we will have a wonderful time in that too. So join us for any or all of that. Meanwhile, have a great Sunday today. Finish your Christmas shopping so you can enjoy all this week. And I will uh, join you, invite you to join me in the closing affirmation, which we do each time. It is this. I leave this place now knowing something better than I knew before. I go forth into the world with a heart full of love and a mind full of good sense. I look at the world in a greater way, knowing that I have within me everything I need to create the life I desire. I want to read that one again. And if you read along, I'm sorry I interrupted you. I have within me everything I need to create the life I desire. I give thanks for this understanding. I am grateful for the spirit that lives through me. And so it is. Thank you. See you all next week.